HRV heart rate variability is the rate of change of our heart rate over time. Well, to give you an idea of how important this measure is, every single major wearable tracking device or fitness tracker, including Aura Ring, uh, the Garmin devices, Apple Watch, Whoop, um, and many others, Polar, they all track HRV as a primary measure. And the reason is because All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. You know that I've been so engaged in neuroscience, the vagus nerve, emotions, really how we work through trauma. And I have such an incredible leader who talks about all of this and more. He's a psychiatrist, neuroscientist, an entrepreneur, and even inventor, Dr. Dave Rabin. He co-founded this awesome device called the Apollo device that actually helps regulate your nervous system in terms of heart rate variability. If you don't know what heart rate variability is, you have to listen to this episode. If you never heard about it, you have to listen to this episode. Heart rate variability is the marker that you're going to see that is going to tell you how your body is handling stress. It's gonna tell you where your nervous system is. To me, it's one of the most important data day markers that you need to be looking at. When I wake up in the morning, I myself have a ring and I check the ring score. Before I check anything, even before I check sleep, before I check my readiness for the day, I look at my heart rate variability to see if I'm more physically stressed already just waking up than I was the day before or my body's more resilient and ready to go. It shows us how we're handling stress. We all need to know our heart rate variability number. It's so important. Dr. Dave Raven is going to teach us some of the most important pieces, evidence-based recommendations that we can do for our health to improve that number. The better your heart rate variability, the better your overall health. So it's going to be amazing. We're going to go into what are the practices. He's going to tell us all of the best practices to do, the ones we could do at home for free for the most part. He's going to tell us a little bit more about the amazing device that he invented. We're going to talk about things like MDMA-assisted therapy and how that's affecting our cortisol receptors, how it's affecting our literal ability of how we handle stress in a good way. We're going to learn all about where we're going with psychedelic-assisted therapy and how we're breaking generational trauma. We're at a time and health and mental health and trauma that is unprecedented because in the next few years, it's going to be so amazing what we're going to have at our forefront, right at the palm to make changes, lasting changes in our overall health. We're going to go deep into all of them. I can't wait to get to this guest segment with Dr. Dave Rabin. But before that, I really want to just share some important stuff before we really get into the vagus nerve, we get into the nervous system, we get into trauma. So let's do a quick knowledge bomb on some really important topics to set up this really important guest segment. So many of us forget what it is to be healthy. And, and, you know, we have our microscope on the physical side and most of it is there. Right now, the state of health is looking at physicality, the relationship of food to the body, the relationship of exercise to the body. I know your Instagrams and TikToks are inundated with what to eat, how to work out, right? What is this new device, this new light, this new biohack, all these things to really help the physical side. And you know, if you've been listening to my show for the past year or even more, at least I've talked so much about emotion, emotional repression, somatics, how it's connected to our physical health and mental health. And we've done some shows on mental health. We have psychiatrists, we talked about ketamine, we talked about mushrooms, we talked about MDMA. We're gonna tie it all in together in the guest segment, but I really wanna talk to you about some things because there's a bridge that connects all of them. Like I said, our microscope right now is on the physical 
and it's sort of 21% on the mental, right? We're still, we're talking about mental health. We, like we have athletes talking about my mental health has been affected. And it's really beautiful to see that as a priority. We have about 0% on the somatics. I'm shocked about how somatics has exploded in the past year. So I'm really excited to be leading this wave for somatic healing. But no one, no one, no one is bridging the gap between all of them. And for me, my biggest current passion is to bridge the gap between the physical, the mental, and the somatic. Because ultimately, here's what it is. Because we've completely ignored the somatics, it stands to believe when someone addresses the somatic piece, the fascial, the emotion, nervous system, through that energetic repression, that emotional repression, it stands to believe that there's going to be a major change in health. And that's what we often see. When people address emotional repression, there's a massive explosion in a better health. But over time, I saw that there needs to be sustainability. There needs to be a bridge between understanding. Now I'm in an open place. How is that affecting my mental and how is that affecting my physical? You have to learn how to reframe your subconscious, how to communicate with yourself, how to communicate with others as a new self with emotional liberation. We also have to understand what is the relationship now as you're an emotionally liberated individual with the physical, because ultimately that can mean new food for your body, new behavioral practices, new community, new relationships. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. 
Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trophalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. The true essence of holistic medicine is an understanding that the physical, mental, and emotional are not separate. They're actually just pieces of all the same thing. One of the major things that I've been seeing in my work as of recent, and you know I've been working with these emotions for a long time, as of recent is the importance of understanding your relationship to food. Because so many of us are eating healthy diets or seemingly healthy diets or a diet that someone told us we need to be eating or a diet that said this is the optimal diet, we've sort of disconnected from our body. We've disconnected from our body saying its own true authentic expression of, hey, this food doesn't serve me and instead have moved that to the side and taken another person's word as gospel. How many of you have done that? Right? How many of you have subscribed to a diet because someone else says that it's healthier or it worked for them, not understanding your bio-individual biochemical differences. So if we take that thinking, then we understand that if our gut is dysfunctioned by the disruption of foods that we don't want to eat that is not right for our body, whether it be genetically or whether it be a food that is full of pesticides, and we're bringing that to our body, it's causing inflammation and anxiety in the gut. And I say anxiety because let's just say like you're in a town and there's a small fire. It's a small fire in a town center. And, you know, like the, the stairs and the left wing of the state house is on fire, but it looks like it's containable. And if you're just eating some foods that don't serve you, but, you know, other ones that your body likes, then it looks like it'll be containable and you won't really f smell the smoke. You won't feel the effects of the inflammation, right? It'll be something that is like, eh, I feel a little off. Now, what happens if that fire is not contained for a day and it, there's no rain and it's dry and it's windy? Now, all of a sudden, the central wing of that state house is on fire and it's less controllable. You can smell the smoke from across the street. Now, the smoke and smog is starting to cover the town a little bit. You understand, this is where we start seeing the physical symptoms. And this could be years into it. Now you're following a diet that doesn't serve you and you're affected by physical symptoms, but still quieting your body talking to you because you still think you're on the best diet. And then the other wing of the state house, now the whole thing's on fire. Now the whole town is on fire. Now the whole town is smogged up. You can't see anything. You smell it from everywhere. You got to close your windows. This is what happens in our gut. But not only that, it even gets worse. As our gut is inflamed, there's opportunistic organisms that grow like candida, other bacteria, parasites, right? All of those things become more opportunistic, start growing. They're not checked. There's no checks and balances. So imagine the state house is on fire and now all the 
crappy criminals from other surrounding towns start taking advantage that the town is really weak. Essentially, that's what's happening in your gut. But I'm saying all that to say this. Pay attention to your semantics, move those emotions, but understand that if your gut is dysfunction and it's on fire and it's dysbiotic and even worse, permeable, leaky gut permeable, you have intestinal permeability, it's going to affect your brain health, it's going to affect your metabolism, it's going to affect your immune system, it's going to affect your hormones. I always say the most important part of physical health before everything is having a healthy gut. And if you do not have a healthy gut, it's really hard to be physically healthy. This is why it's a priority. It has to be at the top. The number one thing you need to do when you're looking for your health is a healthy gut on the physical side. That needs to be the priority while we're working on the emotional repression. So now we have a quieted gut that's happy, that's calm. That inflammation is not being directed to the vagus nerve, which is being directed to the emotional centers of the brain, which is telling the brain that the body is not safe, which is telling the whole nervous system that the body is not safe. And then that message being transcribed into your own relationship with the outside world. If your body's on fire because you're eating foods that don't serve you, your body's going to believe that the world is not safe. You're going to be suffering with mental health issues and what seemingly looks like emotional repression. So the two biggest parts for a healthy body at this point in my career, and I can say this confidently, the two biggest parts for a healthy body are healthy gut and movement of repressed emotions. If you've done those two, oh my God, you are in a healthy place. Add in some better workouts, add in even more connection to nature, add in even more connection to community, and you're going to see how important this is. I want you to think about getting your food from a quality place. You want to get your food from a quality farm. Be friends with the person at the farmer's market. Ask them how they grow their food. Try, if you can, to grow your own food. And listen, if you're living in a small apartment in New York City, you still ain't got no excuse. You can grow sprouts. I know someone who had a whole mess of sprouts, all different types. You can grow sprouts in your place in a small little apartment. It's never too late to begin to grow your own food. And watch how better it tastes, how much better it tastes. Watch if you care for the soil. You have worms in there. There's a cycle, right, of nutrients. The food is taking up those nutrients. It's connecting to the sun. It's growing. It's robust. There's a whole ecosystem that is healthy. Watch how your gut changes. Because I'm going to tell you a little secret right now before we get into this special guest. I'm going to tell you a little secret. The health of your gut is directly parallel to the health of the soil of earth. The more we deplete the soil, adulterate, pillage the soil, the more that that food getting into our body is less nutrient dense, more full of pesticides, and literally mimicking the sickness in the soil. You want better gut health? Get your hands on some good soiled produce. Even better, start changing your relationship with the soil and get yourself your own garden. I hope that resonated. I really did because a lot of us are just living with uh, low grade. My gut doesn't feel good. I don't know. I'm okay. I feel pretty good, but my gut is a little off. No, your gut should be great. It should be calm. Your nervous system should be in parasympathetic. Most of the day, eating those quality foods are going to help it, but it has to be the food that your body wants. You have to give your body the healing foods, feeding that fiber, feeding those antioxidants, all the colors of the rainbow, 
but making sure you know what foods are good for you. Look for an elimination diet. Go with a naturopathic or functional doctor. Get on an elimination diet. Start to do a fast under their care. Move all the foods. Start introducing them slowly and seeing really what foods you're reacting to. So you have a lifelong blueprint of knowing what's happening in your gut and what foods your body loves. You're going to thank me. Thank me later. Send me a DM. Really hope that helped. Now we got some trauma to talk about. We're going to talk about the nervous system and the vagus nerve. We're going to talk about all the easiest ways how to balance your vagus nerve, how to get yourself into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest, and telling your body that the world is safe. All right, everyone. I have on this show a very special guest because we're going to be talking about some of the most important pieces for overall mental and emotional health. You know, we talk about emotional health here all the time. So when Dr. Dave Raven really, and I, and, and I connected over the Apollo device, which I've been using. I mean, I was I'm such a fan of it. And there's a lot of people that I know who use it. Uh, recently, I went to uh, my favorite spot, Air One, and they had a stand and we were talking and there was a line there. People just wanted to get an idea of what is it, what's going on. And when I found out how important it is when it comes to our heart rate variability, when it comes, it comes to the point with how we're handling stress, I said, hey, I want Dr. Dave Rabin on. And he's coming on. He's a psychiatrist, neuroscientist, inventor, co-founder of Apollo Neuro. It's an amazing device that we're going to go into in a little bit. But today, we're going to talk about stress resiliency, how we're handling it, and how to really, really increase our capacity to handle every single day stress. A lot of us are worn down, and we're going to get into all the goods right now. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dave. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. G. It's a oh, pleasure man. being with you. We we off air were just already talking about one of my favorite topics across the board, the vagus nerve. I did a whole show dedicated to the vagus nerve. We're going to get into that. But before we do, there's a measure that not a lot of people really know about, but it's becoming more popular. It's called heart rate variability. Why should everyone, everyone have an idea about what their heart rate variability number is? That's a great place to start. Uh, and first off, I will say I love the name of your show. Um, a lot of the work that we do and that and that we do with our patients and with everyone I work with is about educating our communities and our and our patients about how to heal themselves better. So, uh, and and how to really activate our own sense of self healing. Um, and HRV ties in really nicely to that because HRV heart rate variability is the rate of change of our heart rate over time. So that means most of us think that, and, and every single wearable, to give you an idea of how important this measure is, every, every single major wearable tracking device or fitness tracker, including Aura Ring, uh, the Garmin devices, Apple Watch, Whoop, um, and many others, Polar, they all track HRV as a primary measure. And the reason is because heart rate variability has been shown over the years to be uh, the best predictor that we have that we can measure on the go, like through the skin without putting anything into your body um, and without electrodes to be able to predict when it's high that somebody's going to be a great consistent performer, that they're going to be, especially in elite athletes and the military, which is where it was first starting to be used um, over the last 40 years, and that people who have high HRV are more likely to perform really well under stress. They're less likely to get sick and they're less likely to be injured under extreme stress, like athletic stress or military missions and things like that. Um, and they're less likely to develop mental illness, which is really interesting. And on the contrary, people who have low heart rate variability also tend to have high resting heart rate. And, and those folks with low heart rate variability, uh, like in the, we're talking like in the 10 to 20 range or below 20 milliseconds, 
those folks tend to have a higher likelihood of getting sick. They're less likely to perform consistently under stressful situations. Their resilience and overall recovery is low. And most importantly, their vagal nerve tone mm. is low. So they're not in a state of recovery. And HRV in a lot of ways is like a measure of how uh, able our bodies are to be recovered and to actively recover over time. Therefore, when we're more recovered, we perform better, right? It's a balance. And so for us, to, what we talk a lot about is healing yourself and the idea that vagal tone is actually required to heal the body. And we have to, the reason why our bodies don't heal well is because there's too much stress response going on all the time and it's unregulated. So we have to balance that with good vagal toning practices that increase vagal tone all the time. And that's why we invented Apollo. But the whole idea is that in the theory, if you practice boosting vagal tone, your HRV heart rate variability goes up. There's no cap on how high your heart rate variability can go. So it's a really nice metaphor for human potential. We don't know what we're capable of as human beings, right? And that allows us to get to states of being where our inner healer, the part of us that knows how to heal ourselves, is able to do its thing. So it all ties together. Oh, that's amazing. Perfect. A full circle too, right? And and the HRV is something that is so intriguing to me. So I have the aura ring. I've had it for many years. And I look at, that's the first thing I look at, even before I, how I slept, I go, where am I at today? And it's actually gone up like 20 points yeah. in the past six months for, for just really like making sure I'm getting good sleep making sure I'm walking every single day, uh, it, a meditation, yeah. emotional healing stuff. But uh, we're going to go into to, to, to the device because we'll, we'll talk about, I want to know how that affects the HRV. But you mentioned vagal tone. And, and here's something that has piqued my interest for many years because it's such an important piece for people to understand. How important is the vagus nerve in healing? What is it? Why, why is it connected to so much of uh, imbalance, dysfunction, disease? And how important is it for us to really focus our health really around our vagal tone? The vagus, I mean, the vagus nerve is critically important. And I think the best way to think about it is like we, you know, we learn a lot of this stuff in medical school, but we don't necessarily learn the, the right emphasis and like how important these parts of the body really are. Um, but we learned that there's two key parts of the nervous system. One of them is the fight or flight stress response, right? We talk about that a lot. And that's the part of our bodies that's responsible for getting us to safety when threat is detected, like actual survival threat, right? So like there's a bear around us, we ran out of food, ran out of water, we ran out of air, or we're getting like tossed out by our community or something like that. And we're going to lose access to a lot of things we need to live. Those are like survival threatening situations that are very real. And so the sympathetic nervous system is the part that's that's opposite to the vagal system, which we call parasympathetic, that's responsible for recovery. And the reason why it's important to understand this is because these systems interact together constantly in our bodies. So the vagus system is like the system that is critically responsible for literally governing everything that happens in our whole bodies when we are not under threat. So that's everything, most of the time. It's our reproduction, it's our immunity, it's our ability to digest and absorb our food and have an appetite at all. It's our ability to be creative and empathetic with our loved ones, right? All its ability to sleep and rest. All the things we do that our bodies need to do when we're not under threat are activated by the vagus nerve. And it's because the vagus nerve controls the organ systems in that part of the body, and then also changes blood flow to those organs. So when we're stressed out 
and our bodies think that we're running from a lion, or but we really just have too many emails, then the time we're sitting at our desk, right, our blood vessels to all of our systems, our vagal systems are, are constricted, and there's less blood flow going to those systems. And then, and what, where does that blood go? Well, there's only so much blood to go around, so the body has to distribute it. It's a resource allocation issue. So all the blood goes to, when we're stressed out, to our skeletal muscles, our heart, our lungs, our motor cortex of our brain, our amygdala, the fear center of our brains, and take, it's taken away from the reproductive system, the immune system, and the empathy and creative system, and the sleep system, and the digestive system. It has to go come from somewhere. So the body manages the balance of that res- the blood and the resources in the body through this dynamic relationship between the vagus nerve, the recovery nervous system, and the stress response system, the fight or flight system, which is called sympathetic. So the two constantly have to be in balance or we can't survive. So so to know if our vagus nerve is imbalanced, it, it, we, we, we can look symptomatically. Our, is our digestive system good? Reproductive system? Do we Is, is, is libido a, a, a really important marker for us to go, hey, or, or, or just a piece to go, my libido strong, my vagus nerve is, is firing, digestive system? How do we know if we, our, our vagus nerve is really robust? So... It's a really good question. I, I think the on the surface, the immediate signs are all the things we should be looking for that you just said, right? It's when we're having trouble sleep, we're having trouble sleeping, we don't feel rested in the mornings, when we're we're struggling to digest our food, our appetite might be weird or low when it shouldn't be. Um, we have a lot of racing thoughts and anxiety, heart rate sweat, heart rate's high, you know, feeling uh, like we're sweating a lot. All of those are signs that our that our vagus nerve is underactivated. Fast breathing, like nor- most of us on in the Western world, we breathe at twelve to twenty four breaths per minute all the time when we're awake. But our we the rate we should actually be breathing at is closer to five to seven, which is more of a vagal breathing state. So when you think about that, just draw, which is called interoception, just being aware of our bodies. And we have a whole slice of our brain that's dedicated to interoception, being aware of our bodies that we don't use because most of us were never taught that it was there, but it works. And if you use that part of your brain, you say, yeah, I'm going to feel what's happening in my body. Then we start to notice all the things that you and I just described that's affecting like 90% of Americans right, right now um, and, and causing burnout and lots of other problems. And then we know that we're not getting enough recovery and our vagal balance is off. And if we, for some reason we're not able to tune in and listen to that part of ourselves, you can look at your HRV, your heart rate variability, right? And your heart rate variability for most Americans is like somewhere between 10 wow. and 30. And that's re- milliseconds. And that's really, really low. And, you know, we, there, we don't know what the cap is, but we, want, we, want, we hope that people will be in general in their day-to-day lives somewhere between like 80 and 120 or, or higher. Um, so we're in like a quarter end of that population wise. So I think that that's a good, that's why heart rate variability is so interesting because it's a really good way to understand what is my body in balance autonomically is my vagal tone in balance. And if our HRV is low, it means we got to be doing more of that vagal activation techniques, which is like intentional breathing, intentional movement, intentional soothing touch intentional listening and music creation of song, which changes our breathing as well. And then things like nutrition and sleep. So those are like the major things that actually make it, make us, uh, boost vagal tone. It's, it's interesting. Time. You just listed out the things that like make us really human, right? It's like the touch, the dancing, the singing, 
right? The, the eating good food and sleeping. Those are more important than all these identities that we sort of clouded ourselves to be, right? Because when you take that all out, that's the stuff that really matters. Those connections, feeling connected, the relationship, but also the authentic expression on your side, which is what I love talking about all the time. The, the heart rate variability piece is, this is, it's not new, but it's new to me what you just said. I, I was under the impression that for heart rate variability, it's bio-individual. So if yours is a 10, maybe you're, maybe you're, 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 it's good for you as a 10, but you're saying, no, 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 no. 10 is, 10 is low. You need to, you need to work yourself up. So there is a spectrum of like, Hey, this is really low. This is really good. Yeah. There's definitely a spectrum. I, I think that there's different ways to measure HRV, which is why it becomes complicated because when you start to look at it, like when we started measuring HRV, we were measuring it in the lab. In the lab, everyone is either at rest at the same time during the measurement and we know, or everybody is active doing something during the measurement and we know. In the real world, that's not what happens, right? People wear an aura ring all day, every day, and the aura ring is doing measurement sampling at different points of the day, and it only knows that you're at rest from right. your movement. So it only can measure at certain times and then average those together. And it does a pretty darn good job. It's probably one of the better, the order ring is probably one of the better HRV wearable trackers out there in terms of accuracy and precision. Um, but when you're looking to, to your point, what you're talking about is, you know, if you measure HRV when somebody's stressed out, it's normal for it to be low. Because when your heart rate's high, your HRV is normally going to be low. So if you've just gone for a run or you're doing extra physical exercise or physical work of any kind or mental or a, a intense like emotional processing work, things like that to get your heart rate up, then your HRV will be low. And that's normal. It, but it's your what I'm talking about and what we're talking about in the literature in terms of your actual tracking of your resilience and your balance of your nervous system across time, across days, weeks, months, years with HRV is looking at your morning resting HRV. So it's just your HRV first thing in the morning as recorded during sleep and during periods of rest. And it's your resting HRV during that period of time that should be ideally for an adult, adult male or, or female, it should be like over 50 milliseconds. As we start to notice, everybody has their own starting place. So if you're starting, you know, I, I would take this more as like not an opportunity to judge yourself for having low HRV, but more as an opportunity to understand it as a predictor and a guide. So if we know, hey, I notice that I am normally often under 30 average HRV across the day, and my resting HRV doesn't really get much above 40, that's a sign that I probably need to spend more time focusing on my own recovery and doing vagal ex exercises and doing a little more meditation, a little more yoga, a little more, you know, walking and movement and, and maybe sleeping more and things like that. So it's an educational training tool that's really helpful. Is there any research out there that has shown that a low HRV is connected to X, Y, or Z disease or predisposition to it? It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience of brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. 
They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open. And I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. So it's more about the situation, right? So there's been studies that have come out that have shown in looking at healthcare providers, this is one of the more recent studies, uh, healthcare providers, I think in the Mount Sinai, New York, uh, big, big Mount Sinai hospital ecosystem, and it showed that if you track their HRV through wearable technology and you compare that to nasal swabs for COVID, that you can tell when somebody's going to get COVID before they even take the nasal swab more of the time at a better percentage just by looking at when their HRV starts to drop, right? But that's, in, but that's in a study environment where you're only looking at the relationship between HRV changing and, and COVID diagnosis. So it's not, it's not actually 
necessarily what happens in real life because probably there because there's so many other things in real life that change your HRV. So just like be, getting stressed when you're reading your email will change your HRV. Getting stuck in traffic will lower your HRV, right? All of these things lower your HRV. Drinking alcohol before bed is one of the biggest offenders of low HRV. So um, I think there's lots of things that that change it and lower it that can influence it, but um, there aren't that many things that improve it except vagal in vagal tone and in vagal improvements because everything, all the vagal exercises that I described to you, one of the major things they do is they remind us that we're safe and in control in the moment. So they all like center I us see. in the moment and they help us remember that we're safe and in control and present in the moment. And that results in that boost of vagal tone because it turns our threat, fear response, survival system offline because we're telling ourselves we're safe and we're doing things to remind ourselves that we're safe. And then the recovery system can turn on and then vagal tone goes up and then heart rate variability goes up over time. It, yeah, it makes sense because makes no sense. one is in a natural disaster, no one really is going to be singing or dancing, right? So, so. Right. You're like our bodies wouldn't actually they wouldn't let, let us, us do it because we'd be in such a fear state, sympathetic state of running away and survival. Right. You know, and no one's running away from a lion singing Frank Sinatra, right? Right. Okay. So I get it. So um, evidence-based wise, what are some vagal toning practices that we know actually work good bang for the buck so the i mean the there's some new ones that have come out um people are talking about this all the time by the way and i think that what's most interesting is the ancient techniques like just starting with the old stuff that we've had for thousands of years that people have known about is stuff that really really works and i think it's it's my favorite to start with because that's the stuff that really uh we it's free you can do it anywhere right so that's like um, intentional breathing. So what I mean by that is just directing our attention to our breath and just paying attention, not just to the feeling of the breath coming in and going out. And you just start by doing that really simply, like five seconds in, hold for one second, five seconds out, hold for one second. And then each time you breathe in, you just try to fill your lungs a little tiny bit more with each breath and then exhale a little bit more, tiny bit more with each breath out. And as you do that, it just draw your attention to your breath. It's incredibly simple, but it rapidly restores sense of agency and cent and centering in your body. Um, other techniques are like, you, you know, there's self-touch techniques that are really simple that you can just like put your hands on your chest and that will, and especially if you press a little bit, that will increase vagal tone very, very quickly. Um, there's a spot on the inside of the outside of the ear. So right here, where the vagus nerve actually comes to the surface of the skin. It's one of the few parts of the body where the vagus nerve is right on the surface. And if you put your finger right here in your ear and you just rub gently, you will start to feel your breath change and a little bit of like a whooshy relaxation come over you, similar to pressing on your chest, and you're activating your vagus nerve. And the more we pair these activities together, um, soothing touch from a loved one, of course, is one of the most impactful, like getting a hug, having somebody hold your hand, even holding a purring cat, right? These kinds of things are extremely helpful to boosting vagal tone. Um, and then, you know, certain kinds of movement, yoga, and different kinds of like Qigong energy movements and things like that. Those are all very, very interesting techniques that all boost vagal tone. Um, in terms of modern technology, there's a lot of electrical vagal nerve stimulators that do it those can have side effects, like they're intense vagal nerve stimulation, so they can knock you out or they can make you like, uh, 
you know, become like almost sedated. So we don't usually use those unless people are really, really struggling and they tried everything else. Um, and then there's tools like soothing music. Uh, we all have listened to soothing music to calm us down at different times. That is increasing your vagal tone. And Apollo is in the same vein when I'm wearing on my chest. And this form is the same vein as like, you know, holding a purring cat or listening to soothing music. It's just soothing, gentle vibrations that like soothing touch to send safety signals to our brain that says, hey, I'm safe right now. Vagal tone goes up, heart rate variability goes up. So those are like those are the general tools that we recommend to everybody, and you can start for free. So that's mm. the best. Part. And and look, low cost for the most part. It's it's. I mean, the ear, the ear hack is it's amazing, right? It's like yeah. so easy. Like so anyone can do it at any time, putting their hand on their chest. And and we sort of often over oversee and underestimate these really simple techniques. We know they feel good. But we don't really self-soothe like that. We, we sort of just look at like, well, what supplement can I take or what medication can I take? I need to go to that, something outside of me. But we have these ancient tools that we can really start honing in and nurturing on. The self-soothing, like you said, the yoga. We can do meditation, qigong. Um, the, the wearable device, the Apollo, what is, what is the idea behind it in helping our vagus nerve? You said soothing touch? Yeah, the idea was that, you know, we saw the impact of having like really powerful healing experiences with our patients in the office. And we were working with people who had severe PTSD, a lot of whom were military veterans, uh, and a lot of trauma patients, a lot of patients with substance use disorders, like people who were really, really sick. And most of them weren't getting better with the medications that we were told to prescribe them, which is hard for everyone involved. We were, everyone was frustrated. And, and so you know, we started to look at these folks, not just in our clinic, but also in a, we had, I had a, uh, I worked in a research lab in the department of psychiatry and we were doing research on these disorders. And then we also went back to the literature and reviewed lots of other people's research on these disorders. And what was so interesting that we found was that people have been, have people who have PTSD and also in large part, depression, chronic pain, insomnia diagnoses, People who have these disorders almost always have low heart rate variability, right? Almost always. That's what we found. And it was, and that made sense because when you think about what's happening to somebody with PTSD, their most common symptom is hypervigilance, which means they're always afraid, right? They're, they're always looking over their shoulder for threat. They never feel safe. So that made a lot of sense with our understanding of like why their heart rate variability would be low, and their bodies were showing signs of low vagal tone. Same thing we were talking about earlier, like lots of like high heart rate, lots of sweating, really fast breathing, racing thoughts, um, you know, in decreased functioning of their reproductive system, their digestive system, like the works of issues that were all related, seemed to be related to, or being able to be tied back to vagal tone. And so we started to do experiments to, and more research to figure out, you know, if we do things that improve vagal tone, this is going back to like 2016. If we do things that improve vagal tone, could we actually reverse some of these this hypervigilance problem a lot of these people are having? Like, would just providing more safety combat the damage that was done from the fear mm. of the trauma? Right. That was like it was that simple of an idea. 
And from there, we started to look at everything that helped to improve safety. Like we looked at biofeedback, which is a great way to boost vagal tone. Um, it's one of the oldest sciences of breath work. Um, and we studied that for a while and meditation, mindfulness, yoga literature, um, uh, more other breathing literature. We looked at psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. We looked at psychotherapy techniques, empathy and how like us building eye to eye contact rapport with our patients, like help them feel better and what it's doing. And it turns out that when you look at everything from all the things I just mentioned to like MDMA assisted therapy to empathy, like eye to eye contact in the office, that these are all activating the same parts of our brains, which are that safety part of the brain which helps to tell our amygdala that's firing off the fear center that's saying, hey, I'm under threat, I'm under threat, I'm under threat. It says, hey, it's okay. It's okay, bud, you can chill. Like, we're good right now. And so when we started to understand that that's what all of these things were doing, all of these techniques that we've been talking about, that's what they're all doing. They're acting on that same part of the brain. The I'm safe and in control part, I got this part of the brain. And so as we started to see that, and I mapped out that whole system, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. If this is actually, if everything we say we know or we think we know about all of these sensory systems and how they activate the safety part of the brain is true, then we should be able to activate it with soothing touch, meaning, and delivered through a wearable that, that sends us soothing vibrations that feel nice. And so as we started to play around with that, we figured out through the study of biofeedback and some other work that... Um, you know, our bodies, our heart and lungs like to be in that five to seven breaths per minute rhythm. And that was a key rhythm that became really important. And as we started to think more about that rhythm and that most people are breathing at 12 to 24 breaths per minute, we said, okay, well, perhaps if we send the right rhythm to the body, will the body like it and then resonate with it on its own? Maybe we don't have to do as much work with the person doesn't have to do as much work. Maybe they just have to feel it. And if they can feel the rhythm with them and wear it with them, it'll actually induce the states. Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea, but not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. 
We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. And so we did a couple double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trials after trying it on ourselves yeah. and noticing that we felt different and our friends felt different. We, we did a couple double-blind randomized placebo-controlled crossover studies, which is the most rigorous form of clinical trial because we had to prove to ourselves yeah. that it was real. And we did these two trials at the University of Pittsburgh in healthy folks and showed that without a doubt, this is reliably improving heart rate variability in two to three minutes, Apollo, these gentle vibrations, through the sense of touch. It works anywhere on the body. And when you improve heart rate variability that much, it improves athletic recovery and cognitive performance, up to 25% wow. improvement in cognitive performance. So that's like that's like a, akin to what you see yeah, with I was just thinking about that. on yeah. these kinds of tasks. With just a little gentle vibration calming the body, right? So it's just it's just that it's it's and it's it works like music, right? It's like music putting you into a flow state when you're going to do some work that bores you and you just want to get in the zone and not think about it and just be there. Like that's just doing the same thing. It's just doing it through your skin. And, so and you're not doing anything. You're not doing any work. You're just literally like doing your work or doing whatever you need to, and it's sending these signals. It's pretty. It's beautiful that the body is adjusting to the rhythm outside of it, but it kind of makes sense because we listen to music and our and our and our waves change, right? Our vibes change. We feel different. So exactly. it, it, it stands to believe, but it's really amazing that you did that double blind placebo crossover trial. I mean, this is like, hey, and to think... I'm thinking about myself in college. I'm like, wow, I should have been doing this before my big tests, right? Like that, that ready, get my, get myself cognitively Same. ready, right? If this was invented, uh, invented in the past, but that's, that's so cool. And I love that it's really up that alley of what I'm so passionate about. And it's that it's, it's the balancing of the nervous system and, and ultimately it's safety. I've done so much research and you know what it comes down to. It's like, do I feel safe in my body? Do I feel safe around people in community? If we do, exactly. guess what? Our systems are running the right way. The problem is, is we, we, we go through life not really just being fully authentically expressing who we are. We're so scared to be who we are. We have all of these things growing up where we're really contracting that part of us. So to think that we can start reminding ourselves just by like a wearable or like you said, starting to sing more. This is why I tell people to sing. Every patient of mine, I say, you got to start singing. You got to start doing the movement, but dance, feel the music, you know, uh, yeah. the yoga, the, the Tai Chi. So, or the Qigong, all amazing stuff. Well, I was just going to say to that exact point, part of the challenge that we've seen, like as clinicians recommending these techniques to people is 
that they don't know what it's, they don't remember what it feels like to get there, right? Like if you don't remember what it feels like to meditate or to be in like a Qigong flow or to like feel really good in your body because you just did some breath work, right? If you don't remember, or yoga, if you don't remember what that feeling feels like, then you, it's hard to get yourself yeah. to do it, right? You don't, and you don't have a place to aim. Like you're not, you don't, you don't know what you're, what you're aiming for. So what we realized with Apollo that was really neat is that it, it helps to kind of nudge us into the state, into the meditative state more easily. And we've shown that too with brainwave measurements that we're uh, writing up right now. And that it, as it nudges you into a meditative state, your body starts to learn how to do it on its own because it's training us to feel safe in situations that used to feel threatening. And we might not even have realized that traffic was making our heart rate go up and our thoughts race or that, you know, certain people really bugged us yeah, and that, yeah. you know, and why, and, and, you know, there's certain things you just like deal with, right. Cause you learn to deal with it about ourselves and others and the way we look at the world. And you forget that maybe you don't have to, and maybe you, this is a decision I've been making that isn't serving me. I actually have an opportunity to change that outcome because I feel safe exactly. enough to do so now. Exactly. And so the training part is really cool because it's not like, this is not a substitute for soothing touch, right? First and foremost, it just, we just don't get enough of that anyway. And if you've never felt what it feels like to meditate, then you can feel this, which it kind of feels like that to get into a meditative state on this, on the calm vibe. And then you can, use that as a target for you. So when you go in, you're like, oh, I'm aiming for something like this. And then it helps get you there faster and just kind of gets you in the... I love in, that. Yeah, that's vibe, beautiful. You know? We forget what, it, like you said, we forget what it feels like to feel safe in our own bodies. We forget what it feels like to have that childlike openness. Uh, for me, so much of the, the work that I value is how do we get someone back to being an adult-bodied child? Right. Like I'm not afraid to sing. I'm not afraid to dance. I'm not afraid to be me. I'm not afraid right. to be loving and hug and touch. So it's 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 really it's a really powerful approach uh, in every single way, because like we said, when you're safe, that's when everything starts falling into that place. It's that safety piece. Before we wrap up, we spoke about something off air and it was this these new studies coming out on MDMA and just your, what was it, overall vagal tone or was it PTSD or, or, or uh, biomarkers of cortisol? What, what, what happened? What's happening right now in the forefront of MDMA-assisted therapy? Because a lot of people are hearing about it and they're like, oh, wait, no, that's a club drug. Or a lot of people are hearing about it and they're like, I don't know, is it safe? It's, it's too niche right now or, or a fringe. What, what, what's going on here? I can give you the, uh, the, yeah. the skinny. So basically MDMA is, stands for 3,4-methylene-dioxymethamphetamine. It is a molecule that is derived from methamphetamine, uh, which is methamphetamine is the active ingredient in like Adderall and Ritalin-type drugs that we currently use for ev almost every ADHD patient and ADD patient. And MDMA is a offshoot of that. And so it's of the same family. It works very similarly. And it works by introducing stimulation of the similar to methamphetamine for attention, but it's like emotional attention and, and empathy and radical feelings of like radical acceptance and, and radical self-love and, and self-care, self-compassion, feelings like that. That's kind of what come out of um, therapeutic MDMA experiences with guidance, like with therapists present. Um, and that's extremely healing for people who have experienced trauma because when people have experienced severe, especially severe trauma, they feel unsafe to go back and, and, and reevaluate that trauma 
because it was really scary and it's painful to go back and re-experience those memories. So in general, we avoid it. And what MDMA helps to do with the therapy and the safety, this, what we call a safe container, that there's two therapists present and what they have, the safe container that they create by building a trusting bond with the patient um, gets amplified by the MDMA. And it helped for, for about six hours. And it helps the patient feel safe enough to go back and reevaluate those traumatic memories and, and understand them better and make new meaning from them that actually makes sense to them that allows them to continue their lives, which is, which is incredible. Um, and this, this medicine is not legal yet. Um, it, will, it looks like it will be made legal and cleared through the FDA with FDA clearance um, sometime next year. Uh, and in 2024, and uh, that's for use in office with clinicians, trained clinicians providing the medicine. Um, so th then the results from those studies are, are really impressive. So the three months, it's just three doses of medicine and 12 weeks of combined, altogether combined, 42 hours of psychotherapy, talk therapy with two therapists over 12 weeks and just three doses of MDMA. And at two months out after the phase two trial completed with the FDA, two months out, 55% of, of subjects no longer met diagnostic criteria for PTSD. And these people had had PTSD for on average 17.6 years. They were extremely ill and they had never responded long-term to any other treatment. They tried everything for the most part. And 55% were symptom-free or not symptom-free, but not no longer meeting diagnostic criteria for PTSD anymore. They no longer could have all the boxes checked that said you have PTSD after just 12 weeks three, of therapy, three doses, and two months out after treatment. So that was pretty impressive. And then they did one-year follow-up, and they showed that at one year after treatment ended, no additional treatments were given. The patients could do whatever they want, but the study group did not administer any additional treatments, including psychotherapy. And one year out, that number of people went from 55% to 67% no longer meeting wow. diagnostic criteria. So this is really fascinating because these people in the current Western medical paradigm of psychiatry, they all do not do well for the most part. Only like 30% of them really get better with P yeah. severe PTSD. In this trial, the most severe PTSD folks, the majority of them are getting better. And they're getting better with just three doses over 12 weeks. And if you think about the safety theory that I just described to you and the way that MDMA is working psychologically to help people feel safe enough to reevaluate traumatic experiences and what they mean to them, then you know this is helping people effectively feel safe enough to learn how to heal themselves, mm -hmm. right? And then that's why there's more people better after the treatment is stopped a year later than there were at two months. Right. The people who didn't, who were still sick, were learning how to do some of the healing and take it with them after they left, right? And they're still getting better. And that is really incredible. That like flips the whole paradigm of the way we treat mental illness on its head. Not to say that there's some stuff we do now that does work, it does, but there is there are these other tools that are clearly extremely effective for certain people um, that are taking on the healing process and teaching us about the healing process in a way that really reaffirms that the healing yeah. comes from within here. 
right? And then like, we have to be at the center of it and reminding people and, and teaching people that they are at the center of it is a huge part of helping them heal and then helping them feel safe enough to unlock all those parts is the other huge part. And so that's like most of what we do in these medicine experiences. So that was the most exciting result. And so, you know, to the, the next thing that we did before the most recent phase three MDMA trial started, they have to do like multiple studies through the FDA. I decided to start a study group to see if we could measure that effect of safety on the uh, on the DNA, which is called the epigenetic code. And it's a code that sits on top of our DNA that tells our DNA what to make, what proteins to make, whether to turn, turn up or turn down. And the reason why that's important is because that's how all of our entire body regulates everything that it does is through this epigenetic code telling the DNA to turn up or turn down different parts. So it's, you know, we have the same DNA in every cell of our bodies, but our skin knows to be skin and our brain knows to be brain, right? How do they know? If they have all the same code, how do they know? They know because the, there is certain epigenetic code on the skin cells that says turn up skin proteins here and turn down brain proteins here. And then there are other code on the brain cells that, turn, that say turn down skin proteins and turn up brain. Does that make sense? So Dr. Rachel Yehuda, uh, over the last 30 years, who, run, who is, is endowed professor of psychiatry at Sinai, found that um, she uh, found many years ago that traumatic experiences appear to be changing the epigenetic code on cortisol receptor genes, which makes them not function properly, which also increases your likelihood of developing PTSD. So that's really interesting. And it increases your children's likelihood yeah. of developing PTSD. And then they showed this in mice and, and rats and replicated animals and showed that it is actually indeed true that if, if an animal, including a, inclusive of us, experiences trauma and we don't do anything about it, that can change the way our genes function, like cortisol, a critical safety and stress response gene. It can change the way that gene's functioning or its receptors are functioning and that system as a whole is functioning. And then if we don't fix that, which we didn't know how until this, maybe recently, this, this paper I'll tell you about, um, if we don't fix that, then we can actually pass that on wow. to our offspring. And then they can pass it on to their offspring for at least four generations, at least four. So that is really, really important discovery that she made. And so inspired by her work, I went and brought a study group together that was a partnership between um, Rachel, Yale, uh, Rachel Sinai, Yale, um, and U University of Southern California, Arizona State University, and um, MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, um, along with a couple of nonprofits, uh, Modern Spirit and the Board of Medicine. And we brought all of these folks, leading scientists together to, under, to basically sample the epigenetic code before these people were going through the MDMA trial, these people with severe PTSD were going through the MDMA trial and sample them again afterwards and see if we could measure that trauma marking on the cortisol receptor gene change with the MDMA therapy. Powerful. And we, and we, so we started that, it was something like in 2016, 2017, isn't that study kicked off? And we just finished it uh, and it published uh, this February in Frontiers in Psychiatry showing that in fact, this three doses of MDMA and 12 weeks of therapy is uh, enough to start to 
change that meth- that epigenetic code on the cortisol wow. receptor and and maybe reversing some of the changes that are caused by trauma which could allow the receptor to function better and so there are like objective markers of healing from trauma that are starting to appear on the DNA code which is so interesting because you can measure it with a saliva tube right you can just like spit into a cup or take a cheek swab and do analysis and and get really good information um, about this kind of stuff that can that you know not now but maybe yeah. in like five to ten years could be completely changing the way that we treat and diagnose mental health conditions. Um, so it's really it's, exciting. It's beautiful, and to th- and thank you for sharing this this new research because ultimately what I'm hearing is that we can break the generational trauma. We can break that, and and, and theoretically, what, what I mean, really, what you're seeing in in this data is you can do it in three at least preliminary three different visits and over three months and whoa you mean to tell me that I'm not going to pass on that genetic epigenetic change to my child so they they can handle their more resiliency for cortisol that's incredible and uh what a yeah, yeah it's so it's so, so hopeful, hopeful right like right. to know that like there's something we can do you know and, and MDMA therapy is not for everybody but but what we're doing another study in in tandem right now, where we're actually collecting um, data from veterans with PTSD at the Denver VA, and we're looking at their clinical outcomes because we've seen preliminary data. I don't know if I mentioned this, but you know, Apollo, the the way that MDMA assisted therapy works is again by introducing molecularly this powerful safety experience, and that was heavily influential in our understanding of how to what feeling to give people with Apollo when we were building it in the early days. And so we, um, we started a study at the Denver VA that they actually funded that is evaluating Apollo to reduce symptoms in PTSD. Uh, and, we're, and we've seen in pilot data, pilot studies, that people are actually having similar levels of relief to what people are seeing in the MDMA studies, just clinically speaking. Um, so that's really interesting. Like people are getting a lot better from using this regularly just to calm their bodies on the go. Um, and we're going to be measuring their epigenetic information before and after 12 weeks of using Apollo with no MDMA. And we're going to see if we can introduce similar benefits clinically and we can actually start to see those changes on the DNA. Because if we're changing anything similar with Apollo alone versus with right. MDMA-assisted therapy... Yeah then that means it's not the drug, right? You don't need the drug to do it. You the safety, need the exactly, safety to do exactly. it. Exactly. The safety to, to see what what has been so held and repressed as unwitnessable and, and to go through that process. Yeah, amazing stuff, man. This is... You got me so excited, man. I, I just, I, I wish, I wish, yeah. Like, uh, so, so uh, to quickly just uh, end on the MDMA front... For people who are interested in doing MDMA therapy, how does that work? Next year, it's going to be cleared, you say, or likely next year. Do they just type in Google MDMA-assisted therapy near me? Not yet. I, I actually am not sure how it's going to work. I don't think anybody knows. Um, it will be available. There will be a limited number of clinics set up around the country. Many of them have already started uh, procuring space in anticipation of this happening, but um, there's only like 500 or 700 trained people to provide the therapy wow. nationwide. So we need to rapidly train more people. And so that's a big focus right now is we're 
uh, I'm working with a number of people in the field just trying to figure out how to expand training programs and just how to get more, make more trainings available um, and create standards for training. And we just published a paper on that also in the Journal of Affective Disorders that came out this year. Um, that, and, and these are all open source publications, cool. so yeah. anybody can check them out. Um, if you're let, me, let me tell you, Doc, you are a publication machine, man. And I appreciate all of the heart that you put into this research. And ultimately, uh, finding a way for people to really get back to that safety, which, which is the theme of this whole podcast and which is the place of which all of the healing that we're so desperately looking for comes. But like we said in the beginning, heal thyself. It comes within your safety is, is here. Mm -hmm. And, and there's things that we can do for ourselves, but ultimately it's, it's here. Our capacity to heal is here. So, and, and I love that we vibe on that. I really thank you so much, not only for your passion, your wisdom, your invention, uh, the Apollo, and and just the research you're, you're leading. How do, one, people find you? And for the people who go, hey, I want to give this Apollo thing a try, how do we get our hands on it? Uh, well, thank you again for having me, first off. This was a really fun conversation. Um, and, and safety really is everything, you know? Like, I think part of what we're finding in the, if I could, like, one of my things I love to do is just translating from neuroscience down to uh, to everyone that, that all the cool stuff we've learned over the years. And there's a ton of great stuff we've learned. It's just, we, it's lost in translation along the way. So, you know, safety, I think is one of those core things that we're finding is actually what is the biggest contributor to vagal tone and vagal tone a lot is what is the, provides the fuel, the vagus nerve system to our healing. So literally like that's the fuel line right there to our healing is vagal tone. So by doing the things that help us to feel safe more often, even the small things, the breathing, the gratitude practices, the um, intentional movement, song, like you were saying, right? Touch, all of these things and using the tools and surrounding ourselves with the tools. That's how we literally unlock healing for ourselves. And the best part is that we can be hopeful because it's there for all of us. Like what we're seeing is this was, we were born with this ability to heal ourselves. We just have to let ourselves do it and, and, that's really what it comes down to. So you can find me at drdave.io. Um, my Instagram and Twitter are uh, at Dr. David Raven. And um, you can find me also at the psychedelicreport.com, um, which is the, uh, fair, one of the very first psychedelic news shows. Uh, and we provide you lots of information about the latest goings on in the psychedelic space uh, every couple of weeks. Um, and uh, Apollo, you can find at apolloneuro.com, uh, A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com, or you can go where the kids go, which is wearablehugs.com. Love that. Love that. It is a wearable hug. That's what it is. That's, I love that. Thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate the time, the wisdom, as we said, all of the pieces on the Vegas, the safety. Thank you so much, man. <laughs>